This is an RNZ podcast. One subject that's polarised audiences on RNZ for the past few years, actually, is the use of te reo Māori. Some listeners feel too much of the language is used without context, which they say can make it difficult to follow. And the former Reserve Bank Governor and National and ACT Party leader, Don Brash, was of this opinion. And in 2017, he came on Saturday morning to explain his perspective. What followed was described by the spin-off as a medium-rare roasting. Hope you enjoy it. Dr Brash delivered the 2004 Arewa speech on what he called the dangerous drift towards racial separatism in New Zealand, and that's a theme that he has applied himself to ever since. He was the leader of the ACT Party briefly, and last year he became spokesperson for a lobby group called Hobson's Pledge, which wants an end to what he calls Māori privilege. He's in our Auckland studio. Morning, Dr Brash. How are you? Good morning, Kim. I'm very well, thank you. Good. Um, let us speak of Tereo. What is it that you don't like about it on the radio? Uh, well, I only don't like it when it's used on a primarily English language uh, broadcasting medium, such as RNZ. I turn on the RNZ News at 6 to hear Morning Report, and I have to listen to a couple of sentences from Guy Nespina in Tereo. Does that worry you? Uh, yes, it does. Why? Well, because uh, not 3% of people listening to Radio New Zealand at that time will have the faintest clue what he was talking about. Well, most people who listen to Morning Report will find some segment or other in which they don't understand the word of what is being spoken about, whether it's in English or Tereo. Uh, well, I mean, that may be true. But it it's is true. Basic, well, well, OK. But the reality is that the vast majority of New Zealanders speak primarily English. The number of people who speak primarily Maori is probably zero. Uh, and we are being forced to listen to these sentences by Guy Nisbon without any trace of translation provided. But, you so know, what do you even, think I he's saying? I mean, he's not well, saying, I, I, oh, sorry, the no government, idea. he's saying good morning. I, I have no idea what he's <laughs> saying. He's saying hello. But, but if, if he's saying hello, he could say, Morena, I'd understand that. But he says a lot more than that. He makes no attempt to translate it, so I won't even learn from what he's saying. I mean, in Parliament, when Maori is used, it is translated, and appropriately so. When it's do you, used in, do you when it's, accept, just for a, a couple of, of, of basics, do you accept that Māori is one of our official languages? Of course. Do you think it should be? I have no problem with it being an official language any more than I have a problem with sign language being an official language. Do you? I ex- regret the fact that English is not technically an official language, but it's clearly the language which the vast majority of New Zealanders speak day to day. Do you accept that Radio New Zealand has a statutory duty as a public broadcaster to protect and promote a multitude of cultures, but primarily the Maori culture? Uh, no, I don't. I think there are 21 Maori language radio stations in the country funded by taxes, part of which I pay for. I have no problem with that at all. We have a Maori television channel, which initially the National Party was opposed to, but even when I was leader, we came to accept that that was a good thing to be doing. So Maori have a lot, lot of opportunity to listen to their language if they wish to do so. I don't see any reason why those who speak no Maori at all, and I'm one of those, uh, should have to listen to Guy and Esmeralda spouting on. Do you not accept that RNZ has a statutory duty set out in its charter to reflect New Zealand's cultural identity, including Maori language and culture? Uh, I haven't read, read the car- haven't read the charter, to be honest, Kim. I can but, give you a reference uh, to it if you go if you go if you go to www.radioNZ.co.nz 
forward stroke about forward stroke charter you will see that i'm merely telling you this because uh your acquaintance sir william gallagher who spoke out against the treaty and mari about a week ago has now said he needs to do further reading and i'm just suggesting that you might like to do further reading too of our NZ's charter. Okay, that that may well be right. And to be frank, I have not read the charter any more than I suspect most people have. If the charter obliges you to use Maori on English language broadcasting, the charter itself is at fault. The thing in my is, view, yeah, I... of course, of course. Why should I listen what? to Maori, Kim? I don't speak Maori. I no, went no. to school no, at I a get time your point. when Maori was no, not taught. I absolutely get your point. Why should you listen to Maori? Māori have got their own stations, their own radio stations, their own TV stations, right? That's right. But I thought you were against separatism. I have no problem at all with taxpayers funding uh, the language of people who want to speak to Raya. I, I think, frankly... No, no, no. The, 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 let me, let, no, no, no. Answer that implied question. I'm sorry if I didn't ask it explicitly enough. You shouldn't have to listen to Te Reo. Māori can go to Māori radio stations or Māori television stations... Why isn't that separatism? The separatism which I object to is not a cultural separatism. Oh, different separat- sort of separatism. No no, 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 no. The separatism I object to, Kim, is a political separatism where Maori people, and, and I mean by that people who have a, a Maori ancestor, frequently along with a lot of other ancestors, are given different political rights. I think that is entirely inappropriate and very dangerous. Is this a political position on your part? I mean, we, we know your political position, for example which says that the government has no responsibility to address the over-representation of Māori in negative social stats. No, 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 no. When did I say that? I'm quoting you. I think it was about seven years ago. Uh, I certainly have no uh, recollection of that. So the you, listen, so the government you, has no, no, responsibility no, 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 no. of dealing with social statistics, which yes. are bad, and Māori are heavily represented in that, yes. in part because too many Māori don't speak English properly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Seriously, Kim, Kim. I'm sorry. My my Facebook post this week, I put David Witherow's article on it with approval. It's attracted more than 100 abusive comments, most by people who cannot write English and therefore would be very hard placed to get a job. I'm surprised that you have anything to do with Facebook, actually. I'm sorry? I'm surprised that you have anything to do with Facebook. (laughs) I've had a Facebook page for years. You must be the only person who can speak English on Facebook. I mean, nobody Uh, nobody can speak English on... I mean, that's the way Facebook is. Nobody can punctuate. It's the same with text, but that's not the point. Let me return to the fact that you do not believe that the government has a responsibility to address the negative social, social statistics of Maori... The government has a social responsibility of dealing with negative social statistics, period. Yes. No matter who commits a crime, no matter who is homeless, no matter who is uneducated, no, but the government don't... has a responsibility for dealing with that. But because you don't accept any damage done by colonisation, that means that you do not think that Māori have no, no, particular... No, listen, we're not talking about the damage done by colonisation. Yes, we are. But, well, OK, let me say in that case, I think most Māori have benefited enormously net from colonisation. Let's face it, pre-1840 Māori were cannibals, they had no written language, they had not invented the wheel, as they were a relatively primitive no, Stone Age society. Quite right. I know you've described it before as a Stone Age society. Is that not accurate? Can you not understand 
that it was a different society, Quite. but it's a society that has grown just as ours have grown, and we need to live together. Absolutely. So why do you insist on separation? Uh, I'm not insisting on separation at all. I'm insisting that, for example, everyone has the same political rights in New Zealand, irrespective of their ancestry. How can that be separation? You've said New Zealand values are British values. These things make New Zealand the society it is, British values. Did I say that? Yes, you did. I'd be interested in chapter and verse on that, Jim. Oh, well, but never, um, let's, let's face it, but, most, but let's be proud of the fact that most of our values do come from the United Kingdom. Thanks be for that. Why do you We have a democratic surpri- society, when the I common call- law, <laughs> these things which come <laughs> from Britain. The, the rules of engagement. Why is it that every time I quote you to yourself, you act surprised and then repeat it? Uh, this is a kind of a riddle I don't understand, Kim. We're talking about whether Maru should be used on English language broadcasting, and I'm saying it's an insult to 98% of its audience. That's the key point. Virtue signalling is yep. an interesting That's expression that you've used, and you've used that, that to describe particularly my colleague, Guyon Espiner. That's correct. Do you see no merit at all in normalising Tereo? I see no merit at all in normalising it the way that Guyon Espiner is doing it, because I don't understand it, and no one else that I know of understands it either. If he explained that this sentence means that, we might hope to learn something of it, but we don't. I don't understand it either, but in due course, I hope that I might learn enough Tereo to do so, and I like the sound of it. Do we have to go further than that? Uh, no, you're welcome to do that. You've got 21 Māori radio stations you can listen to. But Why what, should I have to? What if I want to listen to RNZ and hear it reflecting one of our official languages, albeit in a tiny, minor way? Uh, well, I, I think if RNZ has the primary purpose of communicating news, as it does on Morning Report, having the first few sentences in Māori, which no, almost nobody listening to that uh, station at 6 o'clock in the morning will understand. That is counterproductive and is virtue signalling, as I suggested. Do you think that there is no virtue, then, in making te reo more part of the fabric of general society in New Zealand? I think there are some words in te reo which I use and which, frankly... Uh, better than the English equivalent. And I take the word whānau as one example. I use it frequently because family doesn't quite cut it. It doesn't quite mean the same as whānau. I think whānau is a useful addition to the vocabulary. But do I want to know this kind of stuff that, that uh, Guyan talks in the morning? I don't know because nothing about it he says can I, can I understand. I mean, too much of Toreo is an invented, artificially invented at that. Let me just take one example of that. When I was governor of the Reserve Bank, and you mentioned I was that at one stage, the question was, should we have a, a Maori name for the Reserve Bank? We didn't have one at the time. And I argued no, on the grounds that Reserve Bank is actually a proper noun, like Don Brash. And you don't translate Don Brash. I don't think you should translate Reserve Bank. It doesn't have a strict meaning. But I said, what would we call it if we had a Maori name for it? And they came up with a couple of words. I can't now recall what they were. And I said, what do they literally mean? Well, I was told they literally mean the source of all wealth. I said, well, that is not what the Reserve Bank is. Uh, there were no Reserve Banks in pre-1840 New Zealand, either for Pākehā society or Māori society. But, I mean, 
uh, we, we've invented a name for the Reserve Bank on, the, on our banknotes now, and I suspect it's entirely artificial. But most language is. Most language was always made up at one point, and language evolves. So mm-hmm. what? The That's point true. you're making is... Question that, mark? I'm sorry. That, what, the point I'm making is that I don't want to listen at 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. I'm trying to saying something which I... And, and let's face it, most people don't want to either. I mean, how many of Radio New Zealand's listeners at 6 a.m. in the morning understand Guy Nespinner at that point? Almost I've, none, I suggest. I've had, let me share with you a number of texts I've had in saying, I don't understand it, but I love the sound of it. It's like maximum 20 seconds. It's our official language. We have a statutory obligation to nurture it. What more can be said? Uh, well, as I say, I don't think you're nurturing it at all effectively by having a few sentences spouted out think you'd be without any translation at all. No, without but any... you know what he's saying. And no, I, don't. I don't. As I said earlier, let me advise you that if you go again to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward stroke collections forward stroke kia you can find the Tereo greetings used on RNZ. You can hear recordings of them. You can read translations of them. Now, I don't know... Is it a sine qua non, do you think? Excuse the foreign language there. Is, <laughs> is this position you hold on Māori a sine qua non? And this, I ask this question completely ingenuously. A sine qua non of right-wing politics? Uh, absolutely not. I've had all kinds of supportive comments from people on, all over the political scene. Hobson's pledge is definitely right-wing politics, is it not? uh, Listen, I'm not talking about Hobson's pledge at this point. I'm talking about the use of Tereo on RNZ News. And people from all over the country have said to me, boy, do I agree with you. I'm sick and tired of Guy Nesper at 7 o'clock. Is it Guy on? I mean, everybody uses a spot of Tereo all through the day. It's just Guy on that's that's got your dander up, is it? Most people say, as you did, Morena, or I think someone else did it this morning, said Morena. Most people have learned what Morena means. Most people know what Kiora means. Uh, I know what Iwi means, uh, Fanao, Tangata Fanawa, a small number of words I know. I noticed that on the news broadcast which immediately preceded our interview, uh, the word Rahui was used, though no translation was provided. It was inferred in the context of what it was. But, I mean, uh, that's the kind of thing that I would object to uh, as a member of Hobson's Pledge. There are, not the language, use of language, but the idea that a, an iwi in Auckland can decide to ban public access to a part of the, the Waitakere Ranges. I mean, that is the province of the Auckland Council. I th- I'm sorry, are we back on Hobson's Pledge now? Um, well, Having I, said I, that you weren't I, going to I, talk about I, it. I, I got there by talking about Rahui, which was used on your broadcast just prior to this interview uh, with no explanation of what it was. You don't know what a Rahui is? Well, I do know what it is, as I yeah. say, because okay. I followed, followed this, and the context made it reasonably clear what it was. Mm. But there was no attempt to translate it for those who did not know what, the, what, it, what, what it meant. Uh, do you remember the days where the telephonist answered the phone with Kiora and it caused a huge fuss? Mm-hmm. What, what did you think about that first then? Well, I don't recall having much thought about it at all at that stage, to be honest, Kim. You didn't, you didn't feel keenly that she had breached some kind of social no. contract by using Tereo on the telephone no. to people no. who might not understand what she was saying? Uh, no, I didn't, because I think even by that time, most people knew what Kiora meant. So how do you think they got to know what Kiora meant? Uh, I suspect by the use of single words like that, 
uh, in general conversation. As we talked about Rahui a few minutes ago, I mean, the context made it fairly clear that Rahui was something which an iwi in Auckland was asking uh, to be imposed on a part of the Waitaki Rangers. Uh, so the context of that made it very clear. There's nothing about the context of what, what Guy Nesman says which makes it clear what he's talking about. No. There are, there are two facts involved. Guyan doesn't just use single words, but the single word and its context encourages people to know about what it means, and I think most people would be surprised at how many Māori words they, they know. But that's because they have been introduced to them over time, OK? What Guyan is doing is simultaneously learning the language, normalising hearing the language, and I can verify encouraging people to go and learn Māori. Now, he's not saying anything subversive or dangerous or rude. He's just saying, hello, good morning, whatever. Uh, Is that such a hardship for you to listen to? uh, Well, I try not to, let's put it that way, because it irritates the hell out of me, to be honest. That just seems so separate. I'm sorry, but I, I have to keep returning to this idea that you are against separatism, but you keep on insisting on it. Listen, I have no difficulty at all with different parts of New Zealand society maintaining their culture. The Chinese maintain some elements of Chinese culture. The Indians maintain some uh, elements of Indian culture. And that's great. And the Maori should should just get on with maintaining some of their own culture? Well, certainly they shouldn't be encouraged to maintain their own culture. But there are many parts how, of Maori... How should they be encouraged? Well, we've given them 21 taxpayer-funded radio stations to start with and, and a television station also funded by taxpayers. That's a good side of encouragement. Chinese get no such encouragement. Indians get no such encouragement. You think, that they, you think that they are as deserving of attention as Maori? Uh, what, no, no. You're asking, do I just think Maori should have to get on with it by themselves? No, so I'm, I'm the asking you fun- whether you think that the Maori as tangata whenua deserve a degree of respect that people like yeah, Dave and, and, Witherow and, and, did not give them. No, no, Dave Witherow made no comment against Toreo. What he objected to was having Toreo thrust on him. <laughs> I know, I know. You heard, he, yeah. made no, he made no comment on Toreo. He just didn't want to bloody listen to it. Well, that's right. Why, why should he have to? But why should he have to? For the same reason, I guess, that Murray had to listen to English and learn it. Kim, English is the only international language. For New Zealanders, it is the most important single language, no matter what your cultural background. If you don't understand English, you're not going to make it in life. Dr Brash, we're not talking about efficiency here. We're talking about culture. Do you get that? Of course I do. And if we're talking about culture, then learning Māori is not necessarily going to get you a job with the World Bank, but it might make you more of a New Zealander. Does that matter? Uh, Yes, and I think uh, for that reason, if people want to learn Toreo, that's good. I don't want to learn to rail. It has no value to me at all. Value? Yeah. How would you value it? Like, what would it... What would a language give you? Is Uh, there any language you would learn? uh, Yes. I have, in my history, learned both French and Spanish. Uh, These days, I can't speak fluently in either of them. Have they been useful to you? Uh, The Spanish has. Uh, I wish I had learned Mandarin, because that is seriously useful. 
for most New Zealanders, in fact. Were you not married to a Mandarin speaker? Yes, I was. Didn't pick up a few words? Uh, <laughs> I picked up one or two words, which I won't repeat on, on air. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I picked up a small number of words. But can, I wish I picked up more. Can you understand why Tereo represents a very important thing for people who had their language suppressed? In other words, language is an inherent part of oneself. If you have, in the past, been refused permission to speak it, it becomes more than just a tool, does it not? Uh, yes, that's right. In the same way exactly that Gaelic was important to the Irish. But let's face it, a century of encouraging people to speak Gaelic in Ireland has, has been totally unsuccessful. Most Irish people speak primary English. Very few can speak Gaelic. I suspect that the number of people wanting to, able to and willing to speak Maori is actually increasing now, though, don't you? Uh, well, I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, I have a grandson who's learning Maori at school. Um, for me, that wasn't an option. There were no schools in Christchurch, as far as I know, when I was growing up, which taught Toreo. No, I'm sure that doesn't surprise me in the least, but we've moved on from there, haven't we? I'm not quite sure what you mean, moved on. I mean, it's still important for everyone, including Maori, to learn English. And it's also in that we've moved on. Tereo is offered in most schools now. Is that a good thing? Uh, it can be. It, I, I say it can be, but it, it's, it's an unhelpful thing if it crowds out things which could be more useful to New Zealanders. How would it crowd that, out? That, it's, not, it's not a mutually exclusive thing, right? Uh, unfortunately, Kim... Uh, one, the one thing economics teaches one is that everything has an opportunity cost. If you put another subject into the curriculum, you cut something back or out. So if you put Toreo in, you cut back on English or maths or Mandarin or social studies because you can't put it in without dropping something else. You clearly don't subscribe to the view that learning another language improves the brain. It does. Absolutely. But why would you learn something which for most people in New Zealand would never be more than uh, uh, cultural value. Because we're talking about improving the brain? Uh, yes, but if you want to improve the brain, why not learn a language which will actually be useful to you? Uh, your, your idea of utility feels very harsh, Dr. Brash. We live, we live in Aotearoa. We colonised Aotearoa. We stopped the inhabitants from speaking their language. And now we are learning to appreciate it. What is wrong with that? Uh, well, all I'm saying is that if you want to foist that on New Zealanders at school, you have to drop something out. We're not talking about foisting. Well, we're what, talking, on the, on the we're talking about offering. That, that, that's the direction we're moving. And the government itself is moving in that direction. You cannot go to a kindergarten or play centre anywhere in the country now without learning Toreo, even if there's not a brown face within 50 miles. So only brown faces should learn Tereo? Well, for brown faces, it's, it's presumably useful because it's their culture. Uh, for me, it is not of value. Yeah. I come back to separatism, I'm afraid, Dr Brash. You strike me as the archetypal separatist, which seems so ironic, don't you think? 
Uh, I totally reject that, unsurprisingly. <laughs> you won't be surprised at that I'm at all. I'm not surprised. I, I, I believe fundamentally that every New Zealander should have the same political rights, and that was what Article 3 of the treaty said. Uh, well, Unambiguously. If we're, no, if we're going to debate the treaty, we'll be here all day. Let, well, since you raised the treaty, Sir William Gallagher now has apologised for calling the treaty a fraud and a rort. Bloody reparations, he said. Since then, as I mentioned earlier, he says he's been doing some further reading. And um, he, sorry. Now, you supported his attack on the treaty. He referenced... No, no, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let, let's... <laughs> when you say I, I made no public comment on his statement at all, to the best of my recollection, I happen to agree that there have been gross distortions made of the treaty. The most recent one and the most egregious one is that the treaty created some kind of partnership between the Crown and Māori. It created no such thing. A relationship. Uh, well, what it said was, Māori cede sovereignty. Article 2, in turn, the Crown guarantees your property rights. Article 3, all New Zealanders have the rights and privileges of British subjects. I don't think, pro- I don't think property rights was what the original Māori treaty said, Dr Brash, and you know that as well. Uh, on the contrary, the translation, of the, tra- the translation of the treaty by, by Sir Rabada Nata in 1922 and Sir Hugh Carfarau much later both talked about the property the rights which the chiefs had in New Zealand were guaranteed by the So crown. are you telling me that you do back Sir William Gallagher when he called the treaty a fraud? I'm not talking about what Sir William said. Why not? Uh, because I didn't see what he said or hear what he said. I heard a somewhat garbled report in the Waikato Times. But Why I'm was it garbled? Sa- well, well, what I am saying is that the... Why was it garbled? It was a perfectly legitimate report in the Waikato Times, as far as I know. Well, he, I, didn't, I, he didn't disagree with it, and he referenced the Hobson's Pledge. Now, is that embarrassing to you, given that he's recanted? Uh, no, it's not at all. The, the, the reality is, as I said earlier, that there's been a much misinterpretation of the treaty in the last 20 or 30 years, which is just garbage, frankly. And in that respect, if, if Sir William said that, I totally agree with him. Do, that's, mean, not, that's not to say the treaty itself was bad. I think it was actually a fantastic document. It's been grossly misinterpreted. Do you think that your opinion, your position on this, is old-fashioned at all? No, of course not. Of course not. I mean, it's old-fashioned in the sense that recent interpretations of the treaty are gross... Uh, departures from what the treaty actually said. The treaty makes it unambiguously clear that Maori chiefs ceded sovereignty to the Crown. Now, that's unambiguous. And yet, you have the Waitangi Tribunal saying, oh, maybe they didn't cede sovereignty. And you've got lots of Maori who now say, no, they didn't cede sovereignty at all. Now, Sir Rabbanata said in 1922, they did. Sir Hugh Kafarao's translation said they did. And for the last 150 years, it's been assumed that they did. They behaved as if they did. They participated in the education system and the police system and the army as if they did. And yet now the Waitangi Tribunal says maybe they didn't. So is there a connection between your view on the treaty, which is arguable, and your view on Tereo? Is it part and parcel of the same thing? That's what I'm trying to understand here. Uh, I don't think so, no. I don't think there's any connection at all. I can be, on the one hand, a strong advocate of what the treaty originally said, and I am, uh, because it fundamentally said we all have the same rights, which I think is a wonderful basis for, for nationhood. 
I uh, don't regret that at all. Uh, it does not require me to learn Tereo. You're not required to learn. It's not compulsory, Dr. Brash. It's just kind of nice to listen to, don't you think? <laughs> well, but as we agreed I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're on to efficiency now and the utility of it. Is that what you're uh, going to tell me? And Well, I, I, I was going to say that uh, increasingly uh, learning Māori is becoming mandatory in our preschools. It's becoming nearly mandatory in our primary schools, and the government is in fact talking about making it mandatory through the school system. So we are back to whether you think that Māori should be an official language, and I'm thinking that maybe you've disagreed with yourself well, now. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care what you call it. As I say, English isn't technically an official language. Is it the main language of New Zealand? Indubitably. It is the language which 99% of, of New Zealand-born people, at least, speak uh, more or less fluently. Mm. You know, I don't know, we live in a society where we accommodate various mm -hmm. people's needs mm -hmm. and desires, right? Yep, that's right. But you, you don't seem to be prepared to... Yeah, I know you're going to tell me Māori have got their own television stations and their own radio stations. They shouldn't want to have Tereo on the public broadcasting station. But why not? Uh, well, as I said earlier, I'll come back to my basic proposition... If Radio New Zealand's primary purpose is communicating with an audience, it does not do that effectively by cutting 97 or 98% of its audience out of what's being said. For 20 seconds? Well, for any seconds, frankly. Well, there goes the financial report, because most people don't understand the financial report either. I mean, that's how you learn, by no, listening, I, 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 Dr. Come, Brash, come, isn't come, it? Come, come on, Kim. No, no. I mean, no, no, no. no, no, no. no, no. It's being serious. I mean, I people am. might not understand Rorschach blocks either, but I mean... Uh, they talk about it in English. So English is the lingua franca. Sorry, right. another That's... foreign expression. Yeah, exactly. You see, we incorporate foreign expressions into English. So why can't we just do what we're doing on RNZ, which is incorporating? Well, as I say, when you use a word like rahui in the context, which makes it pretty clear what a rahui is, yeah. uh, I don't have a problem with that. It's, it's something which doesn't have an exact English translation. But but uh, I have no idea whether what uh, Guyan says has an English translation or not. I assume it does have, uh, but I, I have no idea from the context what he's saying. Do you think that our time together this morning has answered those who most recently on your Facebook interactions have called you a racist and a bigot? No, because they're beyond argument, frankly, Kim. They don't listen to argument at all. They call anyone a racist to someone they disagree with. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that's entirely true, Dr. Bresch. It's certainly true of most of them. Have you tried... I mean, have how, you, do, how do you find a racist? A racist is someone who wants to prejudice against a, a particular group or ethnic, uh, ethnic group. Uh, I'm not against any particular, I'm not against any ethnic group. But I want you equal see political Mari, rights for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You see Mari as just another ethnic group. Of course. Which is what, what, why are the they not founder? Fighting? Because they're Tangata Fenua. Because no, wait, 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 hold a second. When you say they're Tangata Fenua, I mean that's another myth. They were not. They were here quite recently. They they themselves talk about arriving in canoes. Uh, they didn't sign the treaty as Tangata Fenua. They signed it as Tangata Maori. Uh, the people who were before them were Maori, whom the Maori slaughtered. Oh, let's, with, a separate, with a separate language. For heaven's sake! I mean. I, <laughs> 
If only Sir Michael King were here today. Look, I appreciate your time. Thank you for it. Dr. Don Brash.